0: All right, I want you to turn to Luke chapter four. I could say two passages, but I don't know how many people actually turn. I think we're clicking now. (laughs) But uh, click or turn to Luke chapter four. And uh, the name of the message that the Lord gave me, as I told you, I'm not in a series this fall. The Lord is just putting individual messages on my heart, and I'm really excited how God is speaking to us. Um, But the title of this message is, Will the Real Jesus... Please stand up. Now, uh, let me say this. Uh, I was talking before the service with James Robinson, and I told him the neighbor of my message. He said, Did you want me to stand up? (laughs) Just joking, obviously. And of course, Betty, his wife, said, I will keep him down. So, um, but (laughs) the real Jesus did stand up. He did stand up, and he told us who he is and what he does. So that's what we're going to look at, is what Jesus said about himself. Before I get to Luke chapter four though, let me read you another scripture. Second Corinthians 11, verses three and four, Paul said to the Corinthian church, but I fear, I'm concerned, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. That's a pretty well-known scripture, but look at the next verse. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus. In other words, he's saying, someone might come and preach another Jesus, a Jesus that is different from the Jesus that's in scripture. If anyone preaches to you another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which which you have not received, Or a different gospel which you have not received. Now remember he starts with, but I fear or I'm concerned that you may well put up with it. That you'll just put up with it. I'm not trying at all to be argumentative today about what I'm going to share. But I think that a different Jesus is being preached in a lot of churches today. A Jesus that is fire insurance against hell, but doesn't change your life and can't help you here on this earth with the problems you're going through. I can remember not long after I got saved, if you remember, I was involved in drugs and um, I pulled up to a red light and a guy was standing there and he walked over to my window. I rolled the window down and he said, "Uh, do you want to buy a lid? Now, that's, that's um, an amount of marijuana. And I thought, I remember thinking to myself, I must still look like I'm not saved. <laughs> I may need to get a haircut, you know. So, um, I mean, he just came right up and thought, okay, there's another dope head, you know. So, uh, so I said to him, no. And, so, and then I thought, I need to talk to this guy. So I went over and talked to him and I said, hey, you know, you asked me if I wanted to buy some dope. I said, I used to get high until the greatest thing that ever happened to me happened. I was ready to just unload on him. He said, oh, Jesus. (laughs) And I thought, how did you know I was going to say Jesus? And I said to him, how how did you know I was going to say Jesus? He said, oh, because I've accepted him too. (laughs) That's another Jesus. That's not the Jesus that's in this book. So... If we wanna know who Jesus is, he tells us. Luke chapter four, this is Jesus himself, all right? Luke four, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So he went to his church where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up. The Lord gave me the title of this message and then I knew it was gonna be this passage and then I saw the word stood up and you probably think I arranged that. but Actually, the Lord did that, okay, so and stood up to read. So he did, the real Jesus did stand up. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. This is Isaiah 61, by the way. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. This is what the real Jesus does. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Remember, this is the church where he was raised, his home church. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, okay. What you might not know is this was a very well-known messianic passage that the Jews knew. They knew that this is about the Messiah. I would like for you to remember Jesus grew up in this town, and until this time, he's been a carpenter. I want. Come on now, you got to think about it. He might have had his tool belt on that day at church. I don't know, but he walks into church. He walks up to the pulpit, he opens the Bible, he reads about the Messiah, and he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled. Let me give you the interpretation of that. I'm the Messiah. I'm wondering what people think. And that guy that built our back porch? <laughs> I just texted him last week about our plumbing problem, and He's the Messiah. Matter of fact, if you read on down, it says that they took him out to the edge of their city, that their city was built on a hill, that they might throw him over the hill. So his first sermon at his home church didn't go very well. <laughs> I like how it says it, though. You can read it later. It says, but Jesus just passed through the midst of them and went his way. <laughs> Basically saying, it's not my time yet. Okay, but he said, this is, this is who I am. This, this is me. So... This in this passage are the five foundational ministries of Jesus. And again, I'm not trying to argue with the doctrinal stance. I'm simply saying this is who Jesus is and what he does. And remember, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he did it then, he does it now because Jesus can't change. Culture may change, but he can't change. So, so I have five points. Normally, I have three. During this fall, I've, I've been having lots of points. It's been a lot of fun. All right. So here's number one. First foundational ministry of Jesus is salvation. He says it in verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. We're going to talk about the word gospel. We're even going to talk about the word poor. Verse 19: to proclaim the acceptable year. Of the Lord, this is salvation. Let me let me get you back that up with another scripture. Second Corinthians six two. For he says, "In an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you." Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Now, I just want to help you a little bit with this. <laughs> it's not just that you can accept him; it's that he can accept you. What Jesus is saying is because of what I'm going to do for you, now you can be accepted because I'm going to pay for all of your sins. And it says he came to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, the word gospel means good news. He came to preach good news to the poor. Please understand this isn't all about financially poor because most Americans would then be ruled out according, uh, comparing to the rest of the world. It's not financially poor, this is poor in spirit, like he said in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And we're all poor in spirit. Here's what's amazing about this. There are two main Greek words for poor. One is penace. Penace is the working poor. Some of you might say, that's me. Okay, all right, the working poor. They're still working, but they're poor. They, they, they basically though, it's for daily sustenance. It's not for monthly or weekly, it's daily. In other words, they get just enough to make it one more day. They're the working poor. But he didn't use that word. When he said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor, not the working poor. Again, we're talking about spiritual now. He uses a Greek word that's not used very much, tukos. That means the poor that are not able to work. They can't provide for themselves. They were probably lame or maimed Are crippled, they sat in dark corners, and they put a cup out in front of them where all you could see was the cup, but you couldn't see them because they didn't even want you to see their appearance. And they literally, physically could not work. If someone doesn't put something in the cup, they're going to die. And Jesus said, let me explain something to you. You can't work for one day's salvation. If I don't have mercy on you, you're not going to make it. That's what he said. That's his first ministry. So his first ministry is to save us when we can't save ourselves. Here's his second ministry, inner healing. Inner healing. Uh, Verse 18, I'm just highlighting the passages that relate to each point. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So two phrases we wanna look at. Heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those who are oppressed. Okay, first of all, I wanna talk about the brokenhearted. Brokenhearted in the Greek comes from two Greek words, just like you see it in the English, broken and then heart, okay. But in the Greek, the word heart there is cardia, cardia. Uh, It's where we get our word cardiac. You hear a cardiac arrest or something. Cardiac, it means the heart. The word broken in the, in the Greek is suntribo. Suntribo means to shatter, to break completely in pieces. It's, it's as if you throw something down violently so that it breaks in a hundred pieces and there's no way to ever put it back together. He said, I came to heal people whose heart, not their physical heart, but the seat of their emotions, has been so shattered by this world that there's no way it could ever be put back together again. I came to heal them. Here's what I'm telling you. This isn't good advice, this is good news. This is good news. If you've ever had your heart broken, and I can tell you how to know if you've ever had your heart broken, if you can fog a mirror, if you're alive, you've had your heart broken. Am I telling the truth? At some point, your heart has been shattered and you didn't think it could ever be put back together. I'm telling you that Jesus said, I'm not just gonna save you for the next life. I can heal your heart in this life. I can take care of you right now, what you're going through right now. I can take care of it. And he said to set it, here's the other phrase, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The old King James uses the word bruised. To set free those who've been bruised. Again, a bruise is inward bleeding. It's a hurt on the inside. He said to set at liberty. Do you know what that tells me? That means that a bruise can actually hold you in bondage. He uses these words, to set free people who've been hurt or bruised or oppressed by the enemy to set him free. So a bruise, a hurt, can hold you in bondage. But he came to set you free. I was ministering to a guy one time, great big guy. So some of you might remember this old TV show. This is what he looked like. So some of you might not. So you'll have to go look it up on Wikipedia or wherever you look up things, Google it, or whatever the word is today. Um, he looked like Grizzly Adams. How many of you remember Grizzly? Okay, all the older people. All right, raise your, Okay. okay. That's what he looked like. He had a big, full beard. He was about six foot four. He weighed about 260 pounds probably, and he's just a big-looking guy. And I was asking the Lord to bring memories to his mind that the Lord wanted to heal. And while I was asking that, I had a thought of like a vision come to me, and I I said, I see a little boy who's running through a field, and there's a man chasing him in a car that's laughing. When I said that, this big guy fell on all fours and started just sobbing like a little baby, sobbing. And we prayed over that memory. Here's what he told me. He said, when I was a little boy, my my uncle was a mean man. He was an alcoholic. And one day I had to open the gate for him to bring his car into the field to go to our barn so we could work on something. And he turned a certain way, so I ran to get out of his way. And then he just thought it'd be fun. And he started chasing me through the field. He said but well, i thought he's gonna kill me and he said i got so afraid and then he said i started crying i was just a little boy and he said my father and my uncle made fun of me for crying and that's been the biggest wound of my life now there's more to this testimony but i'm going to talk about it on the next point so jesus came to heal hurts all hurts all wounds here's this third thing freedom the third foundational ministry of jesus straight out of Luke 4, freedom. Verse 18, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus is not just a savior, he's a deliverer. You can be a Christian and be in bondage. You can be saved and still be held in bondage in area. And I want you to know, he can set you free. So this guy that I was telling you about, he was 37 years old when I ministered to him. He'd never been married. I found out after I ministered to him why he had never married. He said, I have a spirit of rage in me. From that time when my father and my uncle laughed at me, he said, I've gotten in a lot of fights. And he said, when I get in a fight, I feel like the Incredible Hulk. I feel like I can't control myself and I can't stop. He said, I've put men in the hospital. I've had to be pulled off of men. And what we realized was, what he was doing was beating up his father and his uncle. But he said to me, the reason I'm never married is because I can't control it. And I'm scared to death that I'll marry someone and get mad at her and hurt her. He's 37 years old, never married. He had a spirit. You know how to know if you have a spirit that you're, that you're in bondage to? When you can't control it. When you have an area of your life that you've told God a thousand times, you'll never do it again, but you can't control it. You can't get free. Okay, you can get free, but only Jesus can set you free. But he can set you free. So we cast that spirit out that day. About a year later, he walked up to me, pretty little lady beside him, three children. She was a young widow with three children. He said, look what God did. God gave me a family. God gave me a family. Here's the fourth ministry of Jesus, healing, physical healing. Verse 18 says, and recovery of sight to the blind. Now, let me read you a couple of scriptures here. Matthew 8, verses 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, or under the control of a demon, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, this would be Isaiah 53, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now underline the word bore, I want you to look at it because this is the Bible. You can look it up in any version you want. Does the Bible say that Jesus bore our sicknesses? Yes or no? Okay, half of you agree. Look at it again. And don't say, yeah, but, yeah, but, I don't need a yeah, but right now. I'm not asking what you believe on it. I'm not asking your doctrinal stance. I'm asking you if the Bible says it. Does the Bible say Jesus bore our sicknesses? Okay, look at this other scripture now. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So here's the question now. Did Jesus bear our sins on the cross? So why can't you believe he bore your sickness? Because you can believe that he bore your sins. See what I'm saying? (laughs) We we say, uh, I'm just so thankful that Jesus bore all my sins on the cross. But he also bore sickness. I just read you two verses out of the Bible. Uh, This is in Luke 4. In Luke 5 is the story where they bring the, the crippled man and they can't get in, so they go up and cut a hole in the roof and let him down. You remember that? And Jesus says to this crippled man that they let down through the roof, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. And he says, the Pharisees started talking among themselves saying, who does he think he is to forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And he says to them, well, why are y'all saying, who do I think I am that I can forgive sins? And then he says this, watch, oh, I hope this dawns on all of us, me included. Look at Luke 5, 23, this is Jesus talking. Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk? I'm asking you that question. (laughs) Jesus asked it. Which is easier for Jesus? For Jesus, which is easier, your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? Which is easier? You know what he's saying? Neither one of them are hard for me. Neither one of them are hard. It's it's, it's not hard for me to forgive your sins. It's not hard for me to heal you. Neither one of them are hard. Neither one. That's, That's what he's saying here. Which is easier? I can do them both. I'm Jesus. I can take care of it. So let me ask you a question. How did you receive forgiveness of your sins? How did you receive it? Let me tell you how. By grace through faith. Now, here's where we get mixed up as people say, by faith, through grace. No, that's not what the Bible says. By grace, in other words, it is a free gift of God, but you received it by faith. It wasn't your faith that healed you. It was God's grace that healed you from your sins, right? But you received it. Okay, so how do you get healed? By grace, through faith. Same way. Same way. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to put down any person that doesn't believe that Jesus heals today. But I have a problem with it. And I quoted this scripture a while ago, but let me just show it to you to make sure. Hebrews 13:8, Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And this is Jesus in Luke 4 talking about himself. I here's why I came. I came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and the gospel to the poor. I came to heal the brokenhearted and set people free from bruises and and oppression. I came to open blind eyes. I came to deliver the captives. This is why I came. This is who I really am. That's the Messiah. That's the Messiah. And here's the fifth basic foundational ministry of Jesus is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This whole thing starts with verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. No doubt Jesus was anointed. Acts 10 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. It's amazing that it says Nazareth here, and he was in Nazareth when he uh, read from Luke, from Isaiah 61. Luke 4 happened in Nazareth. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed or bruised or shattered by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, so we know for sure God anointed him. But what I'm saying is one of his ministries now is to anoint us. How do we know that? Well, obviously, there are lots of Scripture on it. But let me just show you one. John 133. John the Baptist is talking. He said, I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending or anointing him and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes or anoints with the Holy Spirit, who immerses us, totally immerses, baptizo. They get it from dipping a cloth into a dye to change the color of it. It's totally immersed in it. This is the one who will totally immerse you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, he's been anointed by the Holy Spirit, so he anoints us with the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm burdened about this because I want you to know that Jesus can do more than just save you for heaven. He can help you now. So my uncle was a veteran of Vietnam. He came home, messed up. Horrible memories, painful things, spirits, probably from that country, and I'm not trying to say anything negative, America has spirits too, Ever uh, spirits are ever, they're in every country. But he came home pretty messed up, married and divorced three or four times, but to one woman, three times. So the second wife, married, divorced, married, divorced, and then either married, but ended up married to her. But they just—he just—he was violent. Uh, he was wounded. He was hurt on the inside. He was in bondage. Yet he served our country very faithfully. But he didn't know. He wasn't even saved. Then he got saved. We all rejoiced. We all got excited. What I didn't know though was that when he got saved, he got saved in a church that only preaches salvation. They didn't say Jesus could heal your broken heart. They didn't say he could set you free from demonic oppression. They didn't say the Holy he can baptize you in the Holy Spirit and give you power. They didn't tell him any of that. So the memories, the nightmares, he'd wake up in the middle of the night, obviously, there was a huge radical change in his life, but he was so tormented. He told his wife, I'm, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. She said, Yod, maybe you should go talk with the pastor. So he set up an appointment and he went and met with the pastor. He came home from meeting with the pastor. His wife said, what did the pastor say? This is what he said. He said, Jesus can't help you. That's what he told me. He told me, Jesus can't help me. He kissed his wife, he went upstairs and he shot himself and killed himself. And I preached his funeral. I am passionate about this. I want you to know that there's a real Jesus and that Jesus can save you and heal you, and heal your heart, and set you free, and anoint you with the Holy Spirit. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to think about these foundational ministries of Jesus. Jesus himself said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, I'm the one. I'm the one who can save you. I'm the one who can heal your broken heart. I'm the one who can heal your body. I'm the one who can set you free. I'm the one who can anoint you with power. I'm the one. I want you to just take a moment and tell Jesus what you need him to do for you. Just take a moment and then I want you to receive it by grace through faith doesn't mean you might not need to follow up on it like kairos this week or or our freedom classes we have freedom every week we have freedom ministry classes every week so you can start freedom ministry this week you might need prayer we're going to have people available today please don't ever be embarrassed to come and ask for prayer that's what we do in church so don't ever be embarrassed to to come over a thousand people around a thousand people come every weekend to the altar and say, will you pray with me about this? So there's an area of your life, maybe it's anger, like I talked about a moment ago, and you can't control it, or lust, or something like that. It's okay to come and ask someone to pray with you. Maybe there are memories from where your heart was broken. Maybe it was a relationship, a broken relationship. And you need healing. He can heal your heart. So in just a moment, at every campus, We have one more worship song. During that time, if you need prayer for any area of your life, any area of your life, you can come. We're gonna have, we'll have leaders at the front of every campus and every overflow room. So if you need prayer, and you don't have to be a member of Gateway Church, okay? You don't have to be a member of the Gateway Church to come for prayer. If you need prayer for any area, then just as soon as we stand up in just a moment, I mean, as soon as we stand up, you just stand up, step out, make your way to the aisle. It'll be easy to get to the aisle, because everyone will be standing. Just come to the front. You're going to see other people coming. You're not going to be the only one. And just say, I need prayer. I need prayer in this area. And let us pray with you. Let's start the healing today. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus who needs prayer in any area. In Jesus' name, amen.